This is Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. It's powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To get an extended 30-day trial, visit shopify.com slash masters. Hey, entrepreneurs, my name is Felix, and I'm the host of the Shopify Masters podcast. Each week, we put out podcast interviews with successful e-commerce entrepreneurs or experts to give you inspiration, motivation, and actionable tips to increase your traffic and sales so your store can generate the sales you need to live the life you want. On the last episode, Ashley Drummonds from abspancakes.com shared her story of transitioning from selling digital products into selling physical products. In this episode, you'll learn from an entrepreneur that developed an app that was acquired by Shopify. In this episode, you'll learn how to decide if you should jump into your business full-time, how to use your competition to motivate you rather than overwhelm you, and how to find advisors for your business and how to work with them. Today, I'm joined by Michael Perry from Kit, and that's at kitcrm.com or shopify.com slash kit. Kit is your virtual marketing employee and a, and a company that was acquired recently by Shopify and was started in 2013 and based out of San Francisco, California. Welcome, Michael. Uh, thank you for having me, Felix. Extremely excited to be here. Yeah, so this episode is going to be a bit different because you know you obviously are an entrepreneur. You started a business and had a, a great exit, uh, but in a different industry than you know what most of the the listeners might be in. But I think that there's a lot of lessons here that can be applicable, and there's a lot of overlaps here. So you know you are you know, obviously the founder of Kits, which was recently acquired by Shopify. Um, so let's start with that. You know what is what is Kits and how does it help store owners? Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, when we kick this off, Kit is a uh, virtual employee. Uh, for those of you that don't know exactly what that is, it's basically like a little AI robot that works for your store. You communicate with Kit over text message or Facebook Messenger. We also work on Telegram. And Kit, our, our goal for Kit is that you will entrust Kit to basically handle all the heavy lifting of your marketing. So Kit is you know, incredibly smart, uh, capable to do Facebook ads, Instagram ads, email marketing, send thank you emails to your customers, update your Facebook page. And then we actually recently launched um, a a program where developers can build apps that Kit can use. So if you have a Yotpo account or you use Bold's product discounts app, um, our new Leafs SEO manager, you can connect those things to Kit and Kit is able to use those marketing apps for you as well. So we'd like to believe that Kit is, you know, for a lot of Shopify merchants, their very first um, hire, their very first employee on their team that um, helps them, you know, manage and sell their business, their products on it. On Facebook. No, very cool. So, where did this idea come from? How did you come up with um, the, I guess, the, the value that that kit provides? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we started, you know, like a lot of uh, startups, is like a software company that built a uh, platform that people could log into. We were really seeing a large opportunity with small business owners that were not using Facebook or leveraging Facebook to drive more sales or effectively use Facebook's ad platform. And it really was because it's such a complicated product that we, we really started just thinking, how can we build a Facebook ad builder that took you know, really complex 20 steps down to three basic steps? And um, you know, we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of phone calls with Shopify merchants and small business owners and really realized what the problem was. And we were trying to solve a problem to build software for people to better market their products. But it was this constant reality that for people who are selling on Shopify, majority of them are trying to run their business by themselves. And it wasn't that they weren't comfortable with using software. Actually, a lot of them were very tech savvy. It's that they just didn't have the time to do it. You know, they're trying to do customer support or inventory management or make the products. 
uh, do customer loyalty, handle the logistics. You know, their day is so filled that for some reason marketing continue to fall down to the bottom of the of the task list. Um, and we thought, how could we scale our operations? I mean, really, what they wanted was somebody to do the marketing for them. And we took this like very courageous, ambitious step to try to build a person that could work for them and help them, you know, handle a lot of these items on their to-do list. And that's really where we got started in the summer of actually 2014, a year after we launched. And, um, you know, that fall launched Kit, um, the person. And we, we like to think we stopped being a software company and became more of a human company at that point. Very cool. So this, you know, Kit is, isn't your first, uh, I guess, stab at entrepreneurship, right? Tell us a little bit more about your background, like how you started down this path of starting businesses. Yeah. Uh, you know, actually right before Kit, I ran another startup in the software space. Um, I did a mobile loyalty app for small business owners uh, that basically turned, you know, your, your traditional punch card into a, a loyalty card digitized on your phone. Um, you know, I've always had this, this, this deep, rich passion for, for small businesses because I grew up working in small family businesses when I was seven, eight years old. My uncle ran a video store. I used to work for him on the weekends being a video stock boy. He eventually opened up a jewelry store. I worked for him as, um, again, on the weekends, uh, you know, sweeping the store, selling products, wiping down counter, countertops, restocking inventory. It was a, it was a jewelry and coin store. Uh, so I worked with him, with him for a long time and then actually my father ran a car dealership and I went and worked for him selling cars for a long time. And while I was in college, I built my first website. It was a photo sharing site that was a pretty cool site, but you know, just didn't really go far. And that really opened my eyes to, um, you know, what does it take to be an entrepreneur? And the first thing is that you have to be really excited about what you're making. The second thing is you have to really, uh, you know, be deeply passionate about the problem that you're trying to solve. And I wasn't really passionate about the, the art world. And I realized that I was incredibly passionate about the small business, uh, family business world. Uh, and I wanted to enter that arena. Uh, and that's how I started my first loyalty company that you know, didn't do well. And that's how I started Kit. And that seemed to work out for me. You know, so I've been a full-time entrepreneur for almost about eight years. And I feel like I've been a lifetime entrepreneur since I was uh, seven, eight years old. Yeah, so this is something you shared with me over email. Hopefully, you're okay with me tell, saying this on, on the air, too. If it doesn't, we'll cut this part out anyway. But you mentioned that you, you quit your job, you sold your car, you maxed out your credit cards to try to get this uh, company's loyalty company uh, off the ground. Um, yep. What, what uh, made you feel comfortable with all of those steps? Because I think this is a, a stage that I've been thinking about, talking or that I've talk, been talking to a lot of entrepreneurs about them and thinking about a lot, which is about where, where you've kind of reached a, a um, crossroads, right? Where you have to decide, should you go all in? Should you, you know, be safer? Should you, uh, you know, just put one foot in, in the door? Or should you go back, you know, retreat and take the safe route? Like, how did you, like, what was going through your mind at the time when you made this decision? Yeah, you know, it's it's not something that happened overnight, right? Like I vacillated a long time and I just want to preference that like it's not for everybody, right? I think a lot of people will hear this next segment and think like I'm going to do that and that's it's just it really is not for everyone. There's a lot of sacrifice and, you know, high gamble, high reward kind of uh plays that, you know, when you sell your car car and liquidate every single thing you have and max out credit cards to start your business, you have to be prepared with the consequences, right? And for me, it was just a stage where I was working every night and working every single weekend. And, um, you know, there's a saying that there's no such thing as a halfway crook. Either you steal or you don't steal. And for me, I was just, I wanted, I just badly wanted to be an entrepreneur. I just felt like it was in my DNA. 
my grandfather ran a carpet business. My uncle, you know, I just came from this family of, of men who kind of forged their own path. And, um, I just badly wanted to see if I could make it. I badly wanted to, uh, you know, chase my dream and, you know, really take this approach that you only have one life. And, you know, if that means I walk away with nothing, then I walk away with nothing. I, I certainly did not do it for an economic win. I really did it because that's where my heart wanted me to go. And it was not easy. And, you know, I feel very fortunate to be in the position that I'm at today that, you know, raised venture capital and sold my business and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that, that certainly makes the gamble, you know, feel great. But mm. it also doesn't necessarily mean that it was the sole reason why it feels great, right? Like, I would have done it and continued to do it with or without the win. I'm just feeling very fortunate that there was a financial win there. It was really just like my heart was calling towards it. And I just didn't want to live a life uh, not listening to you know what I thought was going to drive my happiness. And I was 100% correct. I've never been happier. I've also, in my darkest, you know, most difficult times of having nothing, I never lost focus. You know, I never wavered. I never thought about quitting. Um, I anticipated that it would be hard. And I just really wanted to see if what I felt about myself was true. I felt like I was an entrepreneur and I wanted to prove that I was an entrepreneur. Mm, makes sense. So, you know, like you're saying, it's not for everyone. I think it's important to emphasize because for everyone that is like you, that has seen the success that you've seen, there's maybe 50, maybe 100 people that didn't make it. And we never, yeah. thousands that we never hear their stories because it's not interesting or no one knows about it because it's swept yeah. underneath the rug. So, um, how do you know if it's for you? How do you know if this path is right for you? Because I think this is another, you know, entrepreneurship recently, maybe the last 10 or so years, has become very attractive, right? It's been glamorized. There's movies about it, the social network, and everyone thinks that you're meant to be an entrepreneur. So how do you know if you are just kind of following that path or you really are or should be an entrepreneur? Well, I mean, first and foremost, like you're, you're going to find out very quickly, right? It's so hard to make it that uh, you're going to turn back really quickly, right? And the way that I look at entrepreneurship is like Christopher Columbus. He left Spain, right? Uh, and he didn't know when he was going to hit land, so to speak. But regardless of how harsh the wind was and how turbulent the waters were, like he didn't turn his ships around and head home. He just kept soldiering forward and he kept, he kept moving towards land. And I think that along the way, most entrepreneurs or most people who believe that they want to be entrepreneurs because they get into it for this very romanticized reason, when the seas get really, really rough and you, know, you have a hole in your boat and the boat is sinking and people are jumping overboard, that's oftentimes you know, people say, you know what, this is just not for me. You know, they they want to enjoy their nights. They want to enjoy their weekends. They, uh, they want some comfort. They want some consistency. And then there's this courageous few, like I have to hit land. Like if I have to get there by myself, if I have to swim, if I have to get on driftwood and float, if I have to capture a whale and ride it to shore, whatever it is, like they are destined to find land. And that was just my mentality. I was going to stay laser focused and I was going to get to land. And, you know, I met a lot of entrepreneurs along the way. And, um, you know, I think that that's just the reality is that it gets really, 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 really hard um, depending on, you know, what kind of business you're trying to build. And that's just a, an honest, those are moments where you have honest conversations with yourself. Do you want to move forward or not? So I think, you know, putting your feet in the water and trying to find out is a beautiful thing because no matter what, you learn a lot about yourself. I think that there's no better life than the life of an entrepreneur, but I also think that there's no harder life than the life of an entrepreneur. 
Mm, makes sense. Yeah, I think I agree with you that you really can't know for sure unless you just try it out. So for folks that are thinking about trying it out, either they haven't started anything at all or they have started a business on the side as a side project but haven't really dived into it, how do you prepare for this kind of leap? You know, Maybe not to the same degree that you've done it where you sold your car, maxed your credit cards and everything, but at least put themselves in a place where there are repercussions. Like, How do you prepare for this? Well... Unfortunately, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you can read every single book about becoming a parent, but until you're a parent, there is no preparation, right? I think it's just getting in the mind frame about what what could come. And I also think that like, there's nothing wrong with being a part-time, you know, hustler. I think that there's a big difference between someone who hustles on the side and someone who's an entrepreneur. If you work at a pet store and you decide as a side hustle, you want to open up a Shopify store that sells dog collars online, there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with slowly growing your business. And then at some point realizing that you can make more money, uh, just working on your own business full time. And you can slowly get to that, that comfort level. You know, for me, I was impatient. I wasn't, you know, I'm working in software. It's, 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 it's a different world, right? I wasn't willing to sit back and wait and see if my work on the nights and weekends would get me to a point. I had to go all in. I had mm. to, you know, I think the, the, the best way of looking at it is like, uh, you know, if you, if you get a tattoo, you're going all in. It's not, it's not coming off. And I had to tattoo entrepreneurship on myself. Mm, makes sense. So, you know, I think um, I think this this next question is going to be applicable for other store owners that might be selling to to other businesses in the B two B space. So, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned before that that that, that uh, small business has been a part of your life from the beginning. You worked at in small businesses. Your family was involved in small businesses. What opportunity did you see though that made small business owners um, a I guess a good opportunity to focus on as a customer or to go a- after as a customer? Well, the reason I went after them as a customer because I felt like it was very relatable to me. I mean, that's just the honest answer, right? Like, it wasn't about some mass, you know, there's obviously tens of millions of small businesses out there, so there's a huge market for you to sell to. But for me, it was just like, that's what I cared about. I cared about the people that were working in these stores. I, was, I cared about the people who are, you know, trying to do it by themselves. I care about the, the guy who's standing behind his counter on Saturdays missing his kid's soccer game or the guy who's standing running a detail business and missing his son's basketball game. Like, I just cared about these people. And I, my opportunity was that I wanted to try to contribute to improving the quality of their life. I think what's really amazing when you look at Kit, we're you know still just scratching the surface. But if you go and you read the reviews on our app page, right, it's people saying, you know, Kit's the best employee I've ever had. Kit works nights and weekends. Kit responds to my needs. Kit's you know the first person that working it. Like we're trying to give them some balance because for a lot of people, you know, and I've seen it firsthand. Like it's scary to stand inside of a store and let days go by and not make a sale. So I mean, I got into the business because there was an empathetic piece of me that just really, really cared. Um, and that was why I was able to sell my car and max out my credit cards and quit my job with no funding and live on food stamps and let my electricity be turned off. Because at the end of the day, like I wanted my body of work to represent what I cared about above anything else. Now, if you're in the B2B space, whether you're selling software or like it's a massive opportunity because companies like Shopify are making you know more and more entrepreneurs every single month. Um, you know the barrier of entry is lower than it's ever been. It's it's there's all kinds of opportunity for people to be uh, an entrepreneur, and so it's a it's a it's an everlasting, incredibly elastic space where you have a million people you can sell to at any given moment, and so it's just a very ripe time to be selling to small business owners. Um, but again, like I have to reemphasize that it just was not my. It was not the fuel to my fire. You know what I mean? Yeah, it makes sense. And, I, you know, obviously you're super passionate about this. So it might be hard for you to 
answer this next question, but I want to know, you know, how do you know if you are deeply passionate about what you are working on? If listeners out there are thinking that they are super passionate about it, how do you know if you're really passionate about it? Or maybe you just have a passing interest in it and it might pass, you know, in six months from now. Like, is there a way for you to identify that? You know, I, I think that's a, you know, you're right. It is a hard question to answer because I think everyone defines passion so, so differently, right? I mean, someone can be super passionate about something, but they're not losing sleep over something, right? Like for me, like I so badly wanted to be the guy that solved what I felt like was such a large problem. Like it made me physically sick to think that some other person was going to beat me to it, right? Like I was not willing to turn back for anything. Like I, I really wanted kit and I really want kit and I really want my time at Shopify to really be a representation of like my life's work. And, you know, I've come across a lot of entrepreneurs who are crazy passionate about what they're working on, but you know, if they don't succeed, it's not the end of the world for them. Like they just love what they do. They can't, they can't imagine themselves in any other capacity. So they're really passionate about it. But like if someone else, if they were second or third or fourth place or whatever, like they just, they're okay with that. And, you know, our degrees of passion, our degrees of drive are just so radically different as humans and entrepreneurs. For me, it was just like, I absolutely want to, you know, be the, be the person that gets to solve this incredibly difficult problem. And I really want to be there for them and, and make it all better. And if somebody else solved it, I'd be happy that the problem solved. But I, you know, I lost sleep over the idea of someone else beating me to it when I invested my life into it. Mm. So was this like a, a very stressful for you then? Just always this constant thought that you someone's you're being ch- not being chased, but like you know you're, there's, yeah. there's a race going on. How do you? Because I think there's going to be other losers out there that are in that same situation that maybe they're not um, in a cutthroat industry necessarily, but they're always thinking about the competitors, always thinking about where the competitors are at. Is there is there any ways that you found ways not to cope with it, but at least to manage it to a point where you can do the work and not be so consumed by the thoughts of your comp- competition? I mean, yeah, I mean, at some point you kind of realize you have to just stay focused in your own lane and keep moving fast. And you rather be, uh, you know, the guy that's blazing trails and the guy that's following them to some extent. I know it's kind of a harsh way of putting it, but like, it's also like welcome to the real world, right? Entrepreneurship is a very competitive sport, maybe the most competitive sport in the world. Um, you know, everyone's looking to try to climb the mountain of success. Everyone's trying to stand on Mount Everest. There's only so much space at the top of the mountain. I think it's just a matter of, are you okay with being, you know, number two through number 10? Or are you really fighting hard to be number one? I mean, those are two really different. You could build a really, really, really nice business being in fourth place or a really nice business being in fifth place. Mm-hmm. Um, it just is a matter of like that. That's a big difference between drive and passion. And for me, like somebody, one of my, one of my early advisors said something to me and I never thought it would to be more true. And that was only the paranoid succeed. You know, I lost tons of sleep wondering if someone was outworking me. I lost tons of sleep wondering if someone was out hustling, but that's also why I haven't taken a vacation in five years. That's why I work every weekend, but that's also why I was able to create some, some early success in my life that I have. And, you know, it just, it just really boils down to like where you want to be positioned within your industry. Um, I just really like the same way Shopify is the number one e-commerce, you know, leading e-commerce platform in, in the world. Like they're not here for second place. Like everyone that works there, everyone I meet is like very ambitiously focused on bringing commerce to everyone. And so that just drives a different type of, you know, mentality and, 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 and work quality that you put into your work. 
Mm, you want to be number one. Makes sense. So was there ever a point during this whole journey, maybe now, maybe maybe never, I don't know, where you realize where you could at least take a, a breather and like there's a base camp that you could set up along the way up where you can rest and think, okay, now where do we go from here? Or was it just kind of full blast from day one until now? It's kind of just, you know, full, full throttle. There certainly were times where like I carved out uh, like a weekend to take a step back and reflect on what we've accomplished and mostly what we were doing wrong and where were, where did I see areas of improvement? You know, I think it's a terrible idea just to be constantly full steam ahead and never taking a step back just to look at the lay of the land um, because that's how you start making mistakes. But certainly at any given moment that we could hit the accelerator, it was all about full throttle. It was all about pushing our chips in, being courageous, being bold, you know, tr- you know, be willing to fail. Like I'm totally okay with failure. What I'm totally not okay with is responding to that failure, right? I let every mistake be a very valuable lesson. Something comes out of everything, right? So like I just, I just so ruthlessly wanted and I continue to want to make Kit special. Like that's just what it comes down to is I, I really believe that Kit can be a special uh, person for, for store owners. And I, I try to look deep into the horizons of life and think, you know, what is it going to take for me to get Kit to that point? And now it's also to a point where I've invested so much of my life into Kit. Um, like, do I now want to let up on the gas? Is now the time that I want to back off? And the answer just, you know, every time I ask myself, the answer is no, I just mm-hmm. don't. Yes, it makes sense. So when you when you do take this time to take a step back, and I thought, again, you know, I think that this is a, a valuable lesson for any entrepreneur, which is not to just be heads down the entire time, but actually take that time, take that, that day, that weekend to look back on your business and decide where to go. How do you structure that day? How do you structure that weekend? Like how do you set it up in a way where it's actually productive and you are looking objectively at your business? Yeah, you know, uh, there's a place uh, in Northern California called Sea Ranch. Uh, I try to go there once a year for the weekend and, uh, you know, basically power down my laptop, just go notepad and, uh, and pen and just really ask myself some really painful, difficult questions. And, you know, forcing yourself to have very honest conversations, you know, answering the whys and why are we making these decisions and is it really the right move? Is it really the right step? Where do we need to get to? Kind of reverse engineering your success a little bit and asking yourself if you're on pace to achieve those milestones and goals that you've set for yourself and set for your team. Um, Like that is the way that you climb the mountain, right? Like the way that we climb the mountain and the way that we try to help businesses climb the mountain uh, is like help them envision what's the goal. Like why, like I always love asking myself, like, why am I here? Like, why am I building kit? And I think like, why do we make those decisions? Why do like, because you have to continually bring back laser focus of like why you're making all the sacrifices. You know, why am I, you know, working every weekend? Why am I working on the holidays? Why am I, you know, why am I doing these things? It's because, you know, I'm trying to build a virtual employee for, uh, you know, millions of entrepreneurs around the world. And like that opportunity, when you make that statement, it's so overwhelming and it's so powerful that like it helps you regain conscious focus. Uh, and I think for anyone, whether you're selling, you know, again, dog leashes online or jeans or shoes, you know, maybe your goal isn't to, you know, bring that to millions of people, but maybe your goal is, you know, I'm trying to get to $10,000 in sales. I'm trying to build strategic partnerships. I'm trying to hire for, you know, I want to hire my second employee. I already have kids. So I want to hire my second employee. Like you can have short-term and long-term goals. It's just that you have to have moments to step back and have conversations with yourself if, if you're on track to hit those goals. And that's where I take the opportunity, you know, at various points in the year, or at least even 
on my walk to and from work to ask myself, am I making the right decisions every day that's keeping us on pace? Yeah, I, li- I like the how you, all the questions you ask yourself during this, I guess, kind of retreat are why questions. I think we spend so much time asking how, 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 how do I do this, how do I do this, how do I accomplish these things? But I think those questions are very primed for next step types of things, right? How do I accomplish this in the next day, in the next week, in the next month? But when you start asking why, it, it really zooms you out and gives you a much higher view. So when it comes to the more, I guess, uh, tactical questions, are there any general business kind of questions you ask yourself or think about when you do take this time off to look back on your business? You know, from a tactical perspective, you know, I'm, I'm constantly wondering how we can scale better, right? Um, that's when I ask myself the how, the how question. And then usually a follow-up answer, you know, would be like, well, at, at various points, like, well, maybe we can partner with PayPal. And then it's like, well, why would we want to partner with PayPal? I mean, it always kind of boils down to this how and why. I mean, for us, it's like, what what pieces of the puzzle are we missing? Like, why is Kit not? We, we surveyed, for instance, we surveyed all of our Shopify merchants um, back in November, uh, right before Christmas. And 68% of them said they depend on Kit to do all of their marketing for them. They completely are hands off. And I was like astonished with this. I was so proud of the 68%. But then I took a step back and said, well, why wasn't it 100%? And, you know, that's the goal. The goal is 100%. And so then when you start digging around and finding those answers, it really helps you kind of strategize where your focus should be. It helps you have that ruthless prioritization. I think oftentimes we, we, we do as a society want instant gratification. We want to move so fast. We want to climb the mountain. But we don't really want to put in the work to figuring out, like, what we need to do to climb the mountain and why we're climbing the mountain. And I just think that it's an it's a important piece of the puzzle for all entrepreneurs to have a little bit of patience with the process and constantly question themselves and question their effort and question their decision making and just remain a student. I mean, like the only closing note on that question is I would say it's also really great to bounce these conversations with mentors and, and people and peers and, and, and have really open conversations about how you're executing and get some value out of that. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think one thing that, that you've been able to do really well is just be able to grow this business so quickly. Like, yeah, and you're focused so much on, on scale right now. Are there any, I guess, what do you focus on to make sure that you are moving as quickly as possible, as fast as possible? What do you think other entrepreneurs out there might be doing that's kind of slowing them down from executing faster? Well, I don't know what other entrepreneurs are doing that could be that's slowing them down. That's, you know, it's a very personal question for them, and I don't want to make any assumptions, but I certainly like, one thing I continually push is like having just like laser focus. Just say no to everything, right? If it's, if it's not a part of the goal, if it's not a part of the equation, if it's not, you know, a part of the a fundamental piece to what we're ter- working towards, say no. Like don't fall into distractions, stay laser focused, stay committed to the quest and just have ruthless prioritization of your time and your day. You know, you can have a, a billion dollars but, you know, that doesn't buy you more time. You just have to be, like, r- ruthless with your time. And, um, again, this goes back to having conversations to why you're doing it. Why are you doing these things? And so I think the one thing that is, like, you know, really misleading is when people talk about having focus, they think it's about having focus on, you know, saying yes and focus on the business and focus their time on the business. But really it's saying no and prioritizing your time on what you're working on for the business. And, you know, I'm sure my team, they're so sick of hearing me say have laser focus, but I say it every single day, have laser focus, say no to everything, you know, make sure it makes sense. 
and just work very diligently on the on the tasks at hand. Yeah, it's, it's it's amazing how many successful entrepreneurs say the same thing, which is about focus being the key to success. And I think it's a it's a struggle that a lot of people get into because it it the we under everyone understands that focus is important, but then when it comes down to making the decisions that 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 allow you to be focused, that's when things start falling apart. That's when there's the creep starts happening. That's when all of a sudden your scope starts widening and you start saying yes to things that you actually don't mean to say yes to. So what kind of questions like then, then do you ask yourself when you sit down that maybe the, the, the night the night after work or the morning before starting your work to put together your kind of to-do list of things you want to get done. How do you evaluate each thing, whether it should be cut from your list or should be allowed onto your list? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I simply outline, you know, where are we at with everything? Where are we at with product? Where are we at with, you know, customer success? Where are we at with our marketing goals? You know, it's about working towards goals. And if, it, if, it, if, if the item that I'm adding to my list doesn't, doesn't lead me to accomplishing the goal, I have, to, I have to remove it or I at least have to back burner it for a second because the only things that we should be focused on are those things that help us achieve the dream, to achieve the goal. And it's really hard to do. It's easy to fall into distractions. It's easy to want to go to meetings. It's easy to want to go to conferences. It's easy to want to do all these different things. It's easy to want to build these new features. It's easy to feature creep. It's easy to get excited about things. But then we have to ask ourselves, is that helping us achieve the goal? And if the answer is no, then we have to you know, move on without it, no matter how attractive it may look. I remember turning down multiple partnerships uh, you know, when, before we were acquired by Shopify, and it, it always boiled down to uh, even, my, even when I personally wanted to go for it, being challenged by my advisors to say, is this really helping you achieve the goal, or is it just a flashy distraction? And it's a really hard thing to do, but it's a harder thing to identify when you're a young entrepreneur. You know, you don't know if those things that you're saying yes to or saying no to are the right things to say yes or no to. And that's why I highly encourage entrepreneurs to have a more seasoned mentor and to remain a student. Like, I think the biggest mistake that entrepreneurs make is that they think that they're an expert about their business. And I, let me take that back. They, they think they're an expert about their domain. You know, you may know your business in the ins and outs in your business, but someone may have more knowledge about you about the stage of your business and how to get to the next stage for your business. And I just think it's so valuable to, to build those relationships and let people kind of coach you and have someone you can conversate with because they will help align you. They will help you stay focused. It's a big undertaking to expect yourself to have those natural abilities with no life experience to guide you through it. Yeah, I think that's one of the common themes I hear as well from other successful entrepreneurs is that one of the keys to success is to be humble and not think that you know everything. Because once you start thinking you know everything, You're that's screwed. when yeah, that's when you start falling behind. Because someone out there is working like they're not number one and working like they're number two, trying to get to be number one, and that's the person that's going to beat you, or that that's person is going to be a really strong competitor at the end of the day. So you know, mentorship I think is really important. And this is a topic that I don't think comes up enough on this podcast. I want to talk about a little bit more is. Uh, how did you find your mentors? How do you even begin the process of, you know, this idea of finding a mentor is, is definitely a great goal to have, but like, how do you begin to find somebody that can help you out? Yeah, I think that the, it's, it's like anything, right? It's like, how do you find a best friend? How do you find a wife? How do you find a life partner? How do you find, like, it's about, you know, building relationships and letting them kind of naturally come together, right? Uh, one of the mentors I have, he's, uh, 15 years older than I am. So he has 15 years worth of life experience on me. And uh, our businesses are 
obviously in very different stages. And uh, I just constantly, you know, we started as friends and then he became an advisor to my, to my business. And then he became a personal mentor who's, you know, now my kind of business shepherd. And we, you know, even when things are going great, we talk about them and he reminds me, you know, it's, it's never a moment of celebration. It's always a fig, you know, figuring out how to get to the next step for a very, very, very long time. And I'd still say it's standing true today. You know, my father has been a huge mentor for me, right? And reminding me about just an intense work ethic. My father's the hardest working guy I know. Intense work ethic, you know, staying focused, staying humble, staying grateful, you know, being, seizing the moment, seizing the opportunity. So different people will come in and out of your life. And, you know, those relationships will, you know, will naturally kind of take place. I don't think that they, they, they necessarily have to have the title, hey, you're my mentor. It's more so that you just have that kind of a loving relationship with somebody where they want to see you succeed and they know a lot more than you know and they're kind of willing to share their wisdom with you and there's a lot of gratitude that goes into that you know you don't give a mentor a percentage of your company you give an advisor a percentage of your company and those are two very very different things yeah let's talk about that then let's talk about advisors i think this is also something that maybe not a lot of entrepreneurs consider doing and i think it applies at different stages of your business so talk to us a little bit about an advisor like what does an advisor do for you and how does it all i guess set up for people that don't have ones or don't even know where to begin to find an advisor sure again it's it's a relationship building exercise i think the best way of finding advisors is just pure networking going to conferences going to work events um, you know, I think with an advisor, it, it needs to be a very outlined thing. Like, what are you struggling with within your business? For me, in the beginning, my advisors helped me fundraise, right? So they were making introductions to investors for me. Um, you know, if it's recruiting, they can help me with recruiting. If it's, uh, you know, having a quick phone call conversation to discuss partnership opportunities, do, do I think do, they'll give me their insight if they think it's good for the business or not? You know, they're coaching you, but they're not telling you what to do. Right, they're giving you feedback. It's your job as an entrepreneur to filter that feedback. Some on, some of my advisors have given me feedback. They just there it was it was very good feedback. But it just didn't apply to my business. And sometimes they gave me feedback where I followed their feedback, even though I thought it would be bad for my business, and they turned out to be right. So you know, it's 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 your job to filter that. Um, but it's also your job to define like what you expect out of an advisor um, in terms of how it's going to impact your business, right? Mm. Um, or you know, a mentor. It's like. It's a, it's a very personal level. It's coaching you through how do you handle, um, you know, hiring and, and managing people and firing people and letting people go or, you know, what are you struggling with personally or what are the, you know, I, one thing I loved about having a mentor who is an entrepreneur is like we can relate on a human level, right? Like have, being an entrepreneur when you're like all in, when you're working day and night, like that impacts your personal relationships, right? Like, you, you know, it's hard, it's hard to maintain friendships. It's, it's unfair on your spouse. It's, hard on your parents. It's, you know, people are watching you struggle. People are watching you fight very, very hard. And, um, you know, even if you're making uh, momentum slowly, it, it's for a lot of people, it's hard to witness. And so kind of having that camaraderie is also a, a really nice piece of the pie. But in either form, a, mon- uh, a mentor or an advisor, I strongly, strongly encourage it. And I strongly encourage it to be from the, from the, the, the genesis of a very, 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 very good relationship that you have with somebody. Mm, so it sounds like a, a mentor is somebody that's more intimate with you on a personal level, while a advisor might be more intimate with you on a business or industry level. So what what are some uh, typical ways that a, a advisor relationship is is set up? Like, are you usually paying them? Is it a you know? Let's talk about your particular situation. But it's usually equity in the business, right? So you're giving them anywhere from you know point two five to one percent of the company in stock. Um, you know, everyone's. 
advisory structure is different. I have some friends that have given advisors 1.5%. Again, and this all kind of, it's kind of an exchange, right? Like, hey, I'm going to give you uh, 0.5% of the business. You're going to stay on as an advisor for two years. In that two-year window, but here's what I expect out of you. Are you able to deliver on that, yes or no? Right? Whether that is help me fundraise, whether that's help me structure strategic partnerships, whether that's uh, make introductions to people within your network, like whatever it is, like those, I think like going back, the one thing I would strongly suggest is really clarifying what that relationship looks like uh, from day one and really setting some framework around mm-hmm. that. So is this something that an advisor, is this something that makes sense from the very beginning or at what stage of, a, of your business should, is there something I consider getting uh, an advisor? Yeah, it's, again, it's a personal preference. You know, some people in the very beginning, they want to kind of stumble a little bit on their own and kind of, you know, fill things out. And you also have to assume that, you know, a lot of people may not devote their time to somebody just in the beginning because anyone that's gone through it knows how hard it is. And they might say, you know, get mentally, they might be thinking when this person gets to point A, then I'll, you know, offer to jump in and kind of help. You know, I also had a lot of people who offered to be my advisor. Um, as you make more traction, uh, you're going to become more attractive to people that want to help you specifically if there's equity stake in the game. It just, it's really, really a preference point. I had an advisor um, earlier on, and that's only because I had flunked two businesses in a row. And so I kind of knew what my needs were uh, at that point and where I was going to need some help. And some people were with me from day one, and then I had an advisor that joined more like six months down the road. Uh, and it's just, it's just really, it's just really a preference, to be honest with you. It's, it's really hard a question to answer because it's just a matter of like how you want to conduct your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. So let's talk about your your experience now working with stores because I think out of all the obviously guests on the podcast, you have the most experience since you work with so many different stores uh, with with Kit. So when if there's a listener out there that is an entrepreneur that's working on the side or maybe just starting out for the first time, what do you usually you know recommend that they focus their attention on 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 doing at the very beginning? I would recommend that someone finds you know product fit, right? So like. Understand who your market is. Understand who your customer is. Um, like, I mean, I'm going to go with the assumption that you have a store set up and you have some products and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, you know, do a little bit of homework. Whether that is you're setting up a Facebook page and you're investing a little bit of money in your Facebook page to try to understand who's interested in your brand, who's interested in your business. Use that data to start targeting customers to drive your first sale. Um, but if you don't know who you're supposed to be. Selling, to or who you're supposed to be messaging your brand to, it's very hard to find success, right? Um, and so I think you know it's very understated for that people don't do enough homework on who their customers potentially could be. And there's something, it's actually a problem that we're trying to address with Kit, and not to give myself a selfish plug here, but what we've realized is that a lot of people just, they, they don't have a full grasp of understanding who their target audience is. You know, they think they know who their target audience is. And this goes back to too many people who jump into entrepreneurship uh, being an expert and having too many assumptions versus the willingness to be a student and to find out the answers. Um, so like that would be my, my number one feedback. My number two feedback, uh, of course, would be to try to find some brand advocates. You know, let, let the people talk about your brand. Maybe it's worth you giving away $100 or $200 worth of merch or product to get some people excited and to give you feedback about what they like or what they don't like. I think that you know, ultimately, again, it goes back to a key issue in today's age, and that is people want instant gratification. They don't want to do the homework or the legwork to position their business for success. And so I would just take two steps back, have some patience, understand that it's a process to find success. You know, once you have your market carved out, once you understand your target audience, 
you know, then go all in, you know, then be impatient, then be pedal to the metal. But, you know, in the interim of that, if you just start diving in, um, without really trying to, you know, make, make that first sale before you're thinking about your hundredth sale, you know, get your hundred Facebook fans before get, you know, whatever it is, like try to understand who you should be communicating with before, you know, you, you go, you go crazy. Otherwise it's going to get, it's going to be a very frustrating experience for you when you don't see results. Mm, so what is the onboarding process like uh, for a kid? If someone signs up for the first time, like what is that experience like? Yeah, so someone goes to uh, shopify.com forward slash kit. Uh, there's a hire me button. Um, they go through an onboarding process where they connect their Shopify store, they connect their Facebook page, and they connect their phone or they, you know, b- by way of adding their telephone number or they select Facebook Messenger or Telegram. And then they're able to basically communicate with Kit over one of these messaging platforms. And Kit pulls in their – Kit tries to understand where their business is at, the stage of their business. And um, then they start kind of working together to, uh, to have some marketing success. So I think this is. Um, I'm not sure how much you can share about this, but I think there's this new Shopify has talked about it on the on the blog. We've talked about it, I think a bit on the podcast as well about this uh, more focus on on uh, messaging, right? Being able to contact your customers through messaging. So how were you able to scale something like this up so that it's at the point where it still feels like you know? Obviously, you're talking to human. I'm not sure how it's all set up on your end, but like, how do you keep that human touch to something and scale it up at the same time when you are trying to communicate with so many customers yep so for right now obviously kit's not engaging any customers directly minus the ability for kit kit to send thank you emails to customers um and that's coming on behalf of the store owner so it looks like it's signed by felix not signed by kit um so working with a you know that that employee relationship a store owner to kit that's a much easier process to scale to build that empathy and trust uh, than it is to have Kit responding and talking to customers on behalf of the store owner. So there's one big section of conversational commerce that there's some really great teams out of Toronto and Ottawa working on that are just solely focused on helping merchants have more meaningful conversations and relationships with potential customers by way of Facebook Messenger. And then there's the Kit team who's trying to build these conversations between a merchant and Kit to you know work together to drive more success for the store. And those are two like really different problems. And eventually at some point we hope that Kit can become sophisticated enough to speak to customers on behalf of the merchant or just speak to customers as a sales associate um, on a more regular basis and have a more relationship building um, opportunity with uh, customers, you know, forward facing relationship with customers. We're just not there yet. It's just not our internal emphasis. Right now, our, our goal and our emphasis is for people in their mind to trust, believe, and build a relationship with Kit uh, the same way that I work with my, my, my colleagues uh, at Shopify and Kit. Where it's a very, very real relationship, and they treat Kit in a very real way. And that's just where our focus is at today. And you know, helping Kit better understand their business and then making Kit smarter and making Kit more empathetic. But we're really focused on the merchant-to-Kit experience right now. Mm-hmm. So when someone does sign up for Kit and they, I think you were mentioning earlier that most people don't have the time for marketing, which is obviously very, um, I guess, scary to think about if you are having a store and you're not focusing on feeding that pipeline. So what is the, the marketing channel that, that you try to get them to focus on first? Because I know you, you do email marketing, Instagram, Facebook ads, I was reading from your page here and all these integrations with these apps. Like, Where do you recommend that most um, entrepreneurs, either if they're using Kit or not, where should they be focusing their attention on marketing wise? I mean, by far Facebook. 
I mean, that's where, you know, even internally at Shopify that we focus a, a lot of our time. It's just, you know, the world is on Facebook. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of data there. Uh, there's, you know, well over a billion people who are using Facebook every day. I'd like to believe that there's a potential customer for every single business on Facebook. It is the best bang for the buck. Um, it is the best opportunity to leverage this, you know, this massive, well, well categorized catalog of data, um, to try to find somebody to, to drive interest in your products and a better understanding of your brand. It's just the most obvious win. So how does Kit work with stores, help them with their, their Facebook ads? How does the, the process work? Yeah, so we, the beautiful thing about Kit is that we worked really closely with Facebook over the years. Kit's really designed to use Facebook in best practice. So, you know, whether it's their seasoned business and, um, you know, we're literally pulling like their customer email addresses and hashing those to create, you know, custom audiences, which in turn we create lookalike audiences to find people on Facebook that best represents uh, their customers. We target directly them. We do pixel placing to do retargeting. We do pixel placing on thank you pages to do measurement. Um, we follow these same practices with Instagram. Um, we then, if you don't have enough of that, you know, we kind of look at your Facebook page. We try to figure out if we can find customers that look like your, your customers off of your Facebook page. If you don't have enough of that, we use insights. So we've really mapped every single scenario out based on the stage of your business and what, you know, Facebook's APIs and Shopify's APIs are able to tell us based on the stage of your business to make really sound marketing decisions for you. Um, this is why you know we won in 2015, you know, innovative company of the year with Facebook. Um, you know, we were mentioned at their marketing partner summit. You know, we, we've had just a lot of success because what we try to do is simply by text messaging kit, we remove all the guesswork from actually building a Facebook ad. Mm. So, because you work with so many stores, and this question I'm asking, I'm going to ask you this question because I want to help the listeners see, I guess, see into the future a little bit. Which is, are there stores that you work with where you see that they're going to have a hard time making it, you know, being successful, and the stores that you see are almost guaranteed to make it? What are the themes between the the going to be successful versus the ones that are going to have a hard time? Well, you know, there's no there's no guarantee in life. Period. Right. Um, so, you know, the, the, the beautiful thing about that is there's also no guarantee for failure. I think the things where we see a, a harder time making it, um, you know, are people who are selling very, 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 very niche things um, where there's a very, 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 very small customer base. And if you don't know how to navigate the Facebook ad ecosystem or you really don't know, you know, how to market your products best to those customers, it gets a little bit harder, right? I mean, we had a guy who uh, I'll never forget was selling, he lived in Hawaii and he was selling fish tanks. And I'm like, well, that's interesting, but that's on the assumption that, you know, people want to have fish or that's on the assumption that people who already own fish want to, to buy, you know, invest money into a new fish tank. It's, it's just a very, 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 very small market. You know, they're obviously going to have a much harder time than someone who's selling jeans or someone who's selling uh, golf, you know, polos or, you know, products that people, there's, there's mass market appeal. Um, so, I mean, those are easy indicators to look who might have a little bit more uphill bow than the other. But with that being said, the guy that was selling fish tanks out of Hawaii was killing it and doing great. Um, and we've seen people who are selling women's bags who are struggling and they're not doing so well. So we see, uh, we see the full gamut of everything. And that's what's kind of beautiful about Shopify is that it's really built a platform that gives every single person the chance to find successful. It's just a matter of you know, how hard they're willing to work at it and how much time they're willing to invest. And you know, the guy that sells fish tanks, you know, I've talked to him and he, he, he goes to meetups. You know, not all of his sales can happen. Um, 
by running ads. He does a lot of face-to-face business. And sometimes the person that's selling bags needs to do the same thing, but they, they probably have a better chance at making sales if they really leverage um, you know, social networks and email marketing uh, to its full potential. Awesome. So what are the future plans with Kit? Like, what do you want to see Kit in the next year? You know, I think when we think about Kit, it's, we're trying to figure out how can Kit start building a relationship with a merchant where it's not just helping them make that one sale or it's not just helping them with marketing, but how is Kit helping them best position their business for success and building a marketing agenda or building a game plan to help their business get on the right path, right? How can we help them, you know, reach the vision, right? I think everyone becomes an entrepreneur because they see something for themselves, right? It's like whether you don't want to work for the man anymore and you're okay with just being by yourself if you have income of, you know, X amount of dollars per month or you're a guy who's crazy like me and you're like, I want to have a, you know, 50 people working for me and I want to build this big empire. Like there is something for everyone when it comes to entrepreneurship. Our goal is how can Kit become their companion to help that dream become a reality? And that's what I want to keep working towards with Kit. You know, as we get millions of people using Kit, it's, are we helping their dreams come true? Are we helping that uh, vision come to life? And that's what we continually strive to work towards every single day at Kit. Awesome. Thanks so much, Michael. So again, shopify.com slash kit. I really like this tagline here on this page is hire your first employee for just $10 a month. I think it's a, it's a great offer you guys are putting out there and a lot of value to just hearing you talk about it. So what's the, um, the first thing you recommend a store owner, uh, I guess, try out once they, once they are ready to sign up for kit, do they need to have anything prepared? Like how do they approach this setup? Yep. The beautiful thing is, is that when you sign up for kit, Kit's going to try to assess what's the best next step for you in terms of marketing. And so Kit will actually proactively message you and uh, ask you if it's okay to, to move forth with this marketing activity. And you simply have to say yes or no. Awesome. Thanks again so much, Michael. Thank you, Felix. It was really a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com slash masters to claim your extended 30-day free trial.